Welcome to Lay of the Brand, where we talk with the experts on tech marketing, creative, and PR to learn what's new, what's working, and what's next. I'm Peter Jacobs with Merit Group. To wrap up our three-part series on federal account-based marketing, we're looking at how to put the data you've gathered and the content you've created to work. You've got a great message, and you know who you want to reach. So what's the next step? What channels do you choose? And what should you measure to see if you're actually hitting the mark? To find out, we're talking with Kate Tung, Senior Director, U.S. Public Sector Marketing for Enterprise Search Provider Elastic, and Aaron Heffron, Executive Vice President of Government Market Research Firm Market Connections. Great to have you both with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Kate, when you're getting ready to launch your ABM program, what are you considering? Do you generally use different channels to message to mission leaders versus tech leaders, or is it one size fits all? Definitely not one size fits all. Uh, mission leaders are looking at outcomes and strategies um, and impact to the agency mission, whereas tech leaders on the flip side are looking at more features and, and future considerations. Um, we understand that our developer technical audience here at Elastic has a different lexicon and we have to speak in their language to create the commonality. And then with mission leaders, we have to speak to their concerns and their goals in the right language and in the right setting. Um, there's definitely some overlap, uh, but our strategy has been to cultivate a variety of mature channels where we can reach those individual audiences and speak their languages. Those channels vary from third-party events to our own hosted events to territory-specific events, uh, depending on where the user or customer is on their journey with us. We do a lot of ABM, naturally and fed. I think we all do that, right? Um, and as an example, the DOD and more specifically the Army, Navy, Air Force, we know where we can reach our audience. Um, and with the myriad of events uh, specifically for this audience or the associations or even the publications, we know where we can find them. Um, but we also build our own channels. Um, for example, we recently launched a program for veterans offering technical training for folks looking to grow their career in tech. Uh, this is very focused on developers and end users, and we are using this channel to target tech talent and cultivate relationships with our tech leaders and future tech leaders. Aaron, in previous episodes of Lay of the Brand, you've talked about how companies don't have infinite resources, so it may make sense for them to look for commonality in their campaigns. But how does that work from a campaign perspective, considering the different needs and the different personas? Yeah, it's it's always a challenge, as we know what you want to do in marketing is bound by a, a couple different things. One is the resources you have, both human uh, and monetary, of what you want to go forward, the time frame in which you want to be able to make an impact, and the breadth of re uh, audience that you want to reach. So I, I tend to look at the research and the other bit of information we have through the light of what is it that's common across everybody and use that as a foundation uh, and then tailor uh, what you can around the edges. And it really comes down to two pieces. One is tactically, how are you going to reach them? And then kind of foundationally of what are you going to say? Uh, and some of those things uh, are lend themselves to be more common across everybody. Some of the foundational things about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it uh, can be pretty similar. I mean, there are some core elements out there in the public sector. Now, I will say there are differences between civilian and DOD that are pretty strong from the very beginning. But you get within DOD, 
you can work across a variety of agencies with some relatively similar messaging, some core messaging. And it really depends if you have the budget and you have the time to be able to customize every single thing. Hey, God bless. And, you know, go forward. But generally we don't. Uh, so I try to counsel to say, find some common elements and then maybe focus the details on the tactical way in which you reach them. Um, you know, Catherine, as you alluded to, you know, what events are they going to? What publications and websites are they visiting? What are the different ways that they like to receive information? There's a greater ability to be able to tweak and customize in the delivery mechanism more so than necessarily the, the root messaging. Um, now, there are exceptions, and I, and I will say that there are times that I say throw that out the window, uh, but you know, a, a good bit of the time, that's what I'll say is for especially small or mid-sized companies that you don't have a lot of uh, resources to put forward to it, kind of pick your battles. So even if you're going after some more niche audiences within an overall framework of an agency or the DOD, you still have an opportunity to get that economy of scale while tweaking, as you said, your delivery channels in order to reach the people you want to reach. Yeah, I would say it's it's more kind of wrapping a core message with a little bit of a veneer that uh, may align more. Maybe you change a little bit of some imagery uh, so that you're not sending the Navy folks something that looks like Army, uh, just as an example. Uh, that never goes well, uh, but that's that's veneer. That's you know, at its root, there are some mission-based and other sorts of trust-related messaging that you can put in there that uh, will resonate regardless of who it is. And your goal isn't to necessarily make the sale with that piece. I mean, this is merely an introduction and interesting, you know, getting them interested enough to pick up the phone, take a call, you know, that you got to think about what is it that I'm really trying to accomplish with these pieces. A lot of these decisions should be data-driven, of course. Kate, what kind of data are you looking for to inform these decisions and how does that influence your plans? Yeah, well, at the highest level, collaboration with key partners um, in our marketing organization, um, like demand gen and product marketing are certainly influential. We have a great partnership with um, those functions here at Elastic. So we are, are tightly integrated on that front um, and they know that our market is different. So from that regard, we are very fortunate. At that point, um, after we have those themes and, and thoughts from our partners in marketing, we, we go to our field sales organization. You know, being in regional marketing and in the field, it's very important to understand, you know, where do they want to focus? What are the um, accounts that they want to go after? And then we start to, to build the campaign um, and our approach. Once that is identified, we dig into the details. We look at our database of users and customers, um, as well as our external approach, because it is two-pronged, two and how we bring in, in, in the new um, marketing responses of folks that we haven't spoken to before. But we definitely take a persona-driven approach. In fact, um, Aaron, a little plug for Market Connections. Uh, we are a consumer of your federal IT persona study. So that was very helpful for us and a great asset to share with our partners in marketing to help them understand our market further. Thank you for, for that Thank wonderful you. asset, Aaron. That's great. That's great to hear. I appreciate that. I always like to hear uh, some of those elements. The the those persona studies were really uh, came out of conversations like this, and that's why 
we moved forward those, we were hearing so much of individuals wanting to go that path in the federal space. Uh, it had been so successful in you know, B2B and consumer for many, many years. Uh, there was a question, can this play forward into a public sector space? And is there enough meat on the bones to really be able to do uh, that sort of work? And we found that that data has been important to folks uh, more so confirming what many folks already knew. I can't say there was anything in there that was going to be earth shattering in its change, but it allowed kind of to have a, a North Star for the marketing teams or sales teams as they rolled forward that you can come back and do that check. And that's what I find a lot of the data uh, is useful for that of kind of giving you a little bit of reassurance, reassuring the powers that be. Uh, that you're doing the right thing, especially if you're in a company that has both commercial and public sector practices. I've found that that is when the data can really be helpful for kind of the oft-forgotten public sector folks who are, are toiling away in marketing and trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear from all of the commercial uh, marketing materials, uh, that these are the sorts of things that have been helpful to lay on top of it. Aaron, let's talk a little more about data and data sources that are relevant to these kinds of decisions. Where are you finding data that can help support an ABM campaign launch? One thing that I have found is having systemic data across the market. The data has gotten better as we've gone over the last five years. I think there's been better tracking, a better keeping information on customers and clicks and downloads and, and all that sort of stuff has definitely gotten better. Uh, you know, when I started in this 15 years ago, that wasn't even a thing. Now, I think the next step is overlaying all of that kind of behavioral data with some of that attitudinal and perception information uh, that we've been gathering a lot um, over time. It's really been great to see the, the merger of those two things start to come together. We, the first place I typically start uh, is in the media study that we do. Uh, market production does every year. There's a whole host, and this gets back to my point about the tactics of the way to get to folks, is that when you're building that ABM campaign, you're trying to evaluate what's going to give you the most bang for your buck and what's going to reach the largest audience. And it's kind of an iterative approach. And what some of our clients have been successful in doing is saying, all right, I can reach 40% of my audience with you know advertising or doing a you know putting downloads up on this website or this publication uh, if i add another publication you know for x dollars i get 15% more if i add a third one maybe i get 6% more and there's a diminishing return on how many people you're going to reach because there's only so many people in this market uh, you know that are out there making decisions so we have found that that's a, a great mechanism to try to reach saturation point. And when the ROI on your marketing dollar doesn't gain you really or reach many more eyeballs as you go. So, you know, we'll say that, you know, all right, hit these publications, hit this webinar, you've reached 75%. Your next dollar is not going to be worth it to spend it. Spend it on creating something new or increasing the frequency of your buys in these publications. You know, so that's, that's a place where we start and we try to see those impressions and when do we start getting duplication 
of effort for the same dollars. Well, Kate, to follow up on that, when you have this information, a major mechanism for outreach involves using partners such as the media, creative agencies, influencers. How can these partners help you launch and sustain your campaign? And when does it make sense to put your resources there? Personally, I don't think you have a campaign without the media partners, creative agencies, and or the influencers. Um, But it all comes at a cost. um, And you absolutely must plan for and allocate a portion of your budget to execution. You could have this great asset, but if you don't have a way to get it out into market, um, it it really doesn't mean anything. Um, And you have to prioritize the channels that will most effectively help you achieve the goals and objectives that you you define at the start of the, um, the campaign launch or ABM program. Aaron, what can a partner do for you that you might not be able to do for yourself? The partner portion of this is always interesting. And I think of partners not from the folks that I'm going to pay to help me, like the creative agencies or marketing firms or whatnot. I think of the partners as who else has a a vested interest in what I'm doing and may gain from partnering with me as much as I will gain from partnering with them. Uh, And where I come back to is some of the data that we've seen over the last two years is a continuing decline in trust of the federal contracting community. And it's a decline in trust of whether they believe what we tell them. Uh, You know, you have, you know, people put out white papers, put out advertising, put out marketing messages, blogs, And increasingly, we've seen a skeptic view from the audience and saying, yeah, they're just telling me what I want to hear, or they're going to overpromise and underdeliver. I don't trust them. And and we've we've seen the government contractors be at that lowest point of, do I trust what they say? Who's at the highest point is the ones who I see successful partnerships are the kind of professional and trade associations. Uh, that to be able to kind of envelop yourself in their halo uh, really can benefit you, um, even if you have to step back a little bit from the the pure selling of what you're doing um, and position yourself more as a, I'm here for the greater good to educate and help everybody understand what's going on. That in itself builds that trust uh, that, hey, I call them, they're going to tell me like it is, and maybe in the end, I don't go with them. They're not going to hold against me, or they're not going to withhold something uh, from me, and then maybe next time around, it is worth to go with them. That's Those are the kinds of partners that I think are important, and the, the trade associations, uh, professional groups, things like that are really the ones that um, are really holding a lot of that trust right now. I couldn't agree more here at Elastic as part of our our marketing strategy here in Fed is is, uh, doubling down on associations simply because they give us that opportunity to reach our community of interest and and those that we um, want to engage with and and build relationships with. So um, 100% agree that the associations bring a very valuable mechanism to reach that that group and often offer, you know, a lot of integrated campaign approaches based off of the themes that we're talking about um, in our programs. Yeah, I would say the key, though, in those relationships is to make sure that it's content focused mm-hmm. um, and not just promotional focused. 
buying a sponsorship and being a, a lead name that is on an event that they're having is not a partnership. Correct. Uh, yeah. It's got to be where you are seated at the table with a person from their shop and your shop talking as equals at the table and having that conversation. That's when you get the benefit of it. You don't get the benefit by knowing that your name's going to be on the download. You know, that doesn't, that's yeah. not the same thing. Joining a membership for the uh, discounted booth rate is not, is not the key strategy <laughs> there. Yeah. That's true. Are there, are there booths anymore? I, I don't even know if that's a thing. Good you're, point. You're so, you're so 2019. That's I, the, I'm showing my, my uh, tenure for sure. That trust issue is, that's really a, a thorny one. It seems like a lot of times government vendors get painted with the same brush so that if somebody had a bad experience with one or two specific government contractors, they extend that experience to the rest of the industry. And so the kinds of things you're talking about, taking more of, a, of an educational, I want to help, I want to raise uh, the level for everybody, that approach seems to be a way to help start rebuilding that trust. Kate, what kinds of activities are you doing to try and do that? Uh, from a building trust, um, you know, we have strong relationships with our customers and, and users, given that we are a free and open source company. Uh, we have a lot of users that are building and creating and um, on the free and open stack. And then, you know, when we are ready or when they're ready to engage with us, they'll reach out to us. So it, it's, um, and they're already familiar with Elastic. So we build trust in just, you know, letting them know that we're here when, when you want to engage with us. Um, and we have a lot of resources and tools that are available to you at, at no cost um, online in our, you know, community forums, our discuss forums. Um, so we have a, a bit of a, a benefit in terms of our go-to-market model and, and being that we are um, of the free and open um, ilk. So uh, that is one area. And then we just engage um, in, in different communities where we think we are going to meet our users and customers like the associations, like the events and, and online um, through the, the publications and whatnot. We find that uh, some of our customers who are really trying to rebuild that trust kind of over, on top of what you're already talking about, which you've already mentioned, is also overlay a uh, direct feedback loop from their existing customer base. Uh, so, you know, get beyond the, the contract evaluation, the CPARs type of things that they have to fill out. And we have partnered with them to do call-ins, periodic check-ins with the customers where they indicate that, hey, we feel that you're so important as a customer that we've brought in a third party to have an open conversation about the challenges, things that are working, things that are not, because we know that you're working in the cubicle next to or in the virtual screen next to the people uh, in our company. You may not give them the kind of harshest feedback or most unvarnished feedback, but that type of thing is helpful for us to know, and we can then make improvements. So you can trust us that we're going to keep you anonymous in providing that feedback, and then you can trust us that we're going to actually do something about it. And that kind of helps build that back and forth. And you can overlay that in the ABM campaign that you're doing and say, hey, these are agencies we're already working with and we have this lifeline uh, with them already. Well, something that sometimes gets pushed to the side during campaigns is 
how do you know you did a good job? You need to plan for that measurement. So, Kate, how do you make sure that measurement gets baked into everything that you're doing? The key is identifying your campaign or ABM objectives up front uh, and determining which metrics will help you track uh, to those objectives. Um, building measurement into the work back plan is important too. Getting something out to market um, as we want to do so quickly can be dependent on so many things. Um, maybe it's dependent on an editorial calendar on a topic that you want to attach yourself to or a piece of content or an event. Whatever that might be, uh, you'll need to identify that and, and then work backwards from that date. Um, I can share an example from Elastic. Um, as a marketing team, after collaboration with our partners in sales, we knew that in the second half of our fiscal year, uh, we were going to focus on a particular theme targeting the DOD. Several of the assets were going to come from our regional marketing efforts. So we started to engage with our media partners and bought into programs uh, that supported our theme, like a webinar and byline with AFCA and paid placements with associations serving the DOD, like AUSA and AFA. Um, and then also working with our PR firm um, on building media narratives to take out into the market. Uh, so building that inventory of assets in anticipation of the campaign launch served us far better in the long run. And by tracking marketing responses and sources, uh, we were well on our way to establishing our baseline as it relates to the engagement and performance of those assets. Uh, we got some quick hits along the way, and now the assets are being used in our integrated approach. It's, it's great, Catherine. You stole a little bit of my thunder here as I was coming into this about, <laughs> Sorry about the, importance that. <laughs> of, the importance of setting out your outcomes and the, the desired goals at the very beginning. Um, so many times I've seen where it's, you know, the throw the spaghetti against the wall approach and, and get out there as, as much as possible. And in the end, if we increase sales, then we win. That's the, the end. And if you can really focus in on some intermediate steps, the intermediate outcomes, knowing that it's a long sales process. And in some of these ABM campaigns, you're starting from scratch where they don't know you at all. Some cases you are uh, going into a, a, a set of agencies that are already in the process of doing some selections and some decision-making and others are really in the final steps. And, all the different campaigns have different goals of what they're trying to accomplish. Are you just trying to raise the level of awareness so people know you exist so that you're in the conversation at the beginning? Or are you trying to convince that the customers that you already have, that you can expand and do more than what you're already doing? And I think those are two different things that you want to measure. Somewhere you just want to measure, hey, do, do more people know about me now than did before? very you know straightforward other ones maybe do they know more about me now than they did before and then the last is am i part of the consideration set am i going to be one of those kind of preferred two or three companies that they're always going to come to uh, when they have a question all of those are different stages of the overall funnel marketing funnel of where where you stand and i think if you can evaluate where you, you know, what area of the funnel you're trying to affect first, then put the metric on top of that. Um, and maybe as simple as clicks. I mean, if you're just trying to increase traffic and, and get more eyeballs on things, you know, not everything has to be some incredibly difficult metric that you have to dive into. Uh, but if you don't know what you're looking for and what you're trying to achieve from the beginning, or if you're trying to achieve too much with one campaign, 
you're just setting yourself up for uh, questions up and down the food chain as they're trying to, uh, you're trying to justify why you're spending the money you are on this. Kate, any last thoughts about launching and maintaining an ABM campaign? Yeah, I think, you know, whether you're taking a campaign or an ABM approach, uh, plan to be in it for the long haul, uh, cultivate long-term visions, plan for tracking and iteration and strategize for updates and expansion. Uh, One more example I can offer. At Elastic, we have an ongoing effort uh, around CDM that started in the summer of 2019. Uh, It's still running today due to expansion of scope and product and solution capabilities, and and we're adjusting um, as needed uh, to be able to respond to that and and continue to um, have that in market. Aaron, any final thoughts for us? Yeah, I would just say that don't let perfect get in the way of being really good at this, is that you're going to make mistakes. Um, there's going to be things that maybe aren't a hundred percent of what they could be, uh, but you're better off getting out there and doing something intelligently thought and, and derived from some good information from the beginning. I mean, I'm not talking about getting out there with whatever knee jerk reaction comes to you first thing in the morning, but don't have that uh, analysis paralysis where you're trying to refine it and you're trying to make it and say, oh, but that one piece of this, maybe that doesn't resonate with the group. People don't pull in information that way. They read things and they pull out what they need and they discard the things that they don't as they interpret things. And as long as you're generally in the ballpark on it, you're going to have an impact. Could it, is it going to be you know, the greatest impact you could have? No, but it's better than having no impact at all. I've been talking with Kate Tong of Elastic and Aaron Heffern of Market Connections. Thank you both so much for being part of this discussion. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. And thank you for joining us. Lay of the Brand is brought to you by Merit Group, an integrated strategic communications firm that blends the best of PR, marketing, and creative to help our clients tell their stories and build business. Got a topic suggestion or want to share feedback? Subscribe to Lay of the Brand on your preferred listening platform and leave us a review. And please spread the word and tell your friends and colleagues to tune in as well. To learn more about Merit Group and the show, check out layofthebrand.com.